Hello ladies and gents and welcome back to Molecule to Market where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. As always, I'm your host, Roman Segal, and today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Jesse McCool, who is co-founder and CEO at Wheeler Bio. Jesse is a very interesting guy with quite a background, uh, although he is now the CEO and founder of a upstart biotech uh, CDMO, Wheeler Bio. He comes with a heck of a background. Uh, in today's interview, you'll hear from his time at Lonza, uh, where he was there for, for several years before the site he was worked at uh, kind of was mothballed and how he ended up in Oklahoma City working at Cytovance and ultimately becoming their CEO, which is a really uh, incredible story to hear how quick that all happened. And from there, he talks about how uh, you know he ended up becoming the founder of uh, Wheeler Bio and uh, where that name came from and how the business came about from a really interesting set of investors who get this thought the uh, price tag of some of the equipment set things up looked a bit a little bit cheap they were from the uh, oil and gas industry so very very interesting to get that kind of perspective uh, we get into a little bit about Oklahoma City it's not an area that I know a huge amount of uh, and why it's potentially an attractive place to do business in the life science space so Jesse explains uh, some of that as well which is really interesting and towards the back end of the interview today um, we get into the business model at Wheeler and it's something pretty unique that I've seen in the sector that's uh, trying to get that combination hybrid combination of uh, utilizing I suppose lower cost um, uh, labor and expertise and space in the US with a presence through partners on the coast which I think has probably been done in places in the past, but not in such a uh, kind of intentional way that Jesse and his team are doing at Wheeler. So for background, Jesse, as I mentioned, is the co-founder and CEO of Wheeler Bio, an agile small batch of biologics drug substance manufacturer focused on addressing unmet needs in the translational space. He has over 20 years of biologics development and manufacturing expertise and experience in biotech, CDMO environments. He previously held, <coughs> held executive and technical positions at site events, Lonza, uh, Mascoma, Dartmouth, and Clean Harbors. He joined site events in 2013 to build out and lead the process development organization. The company was acquired by Hepperlink in 2015, which he was named director CTO and eventually CEO, and he left to Hepperling following the successful Hong Kong IPO in 2020. Uh, the valuation was 500 million USD to join uh, OKC-based venture studio Echo Investments Capital as entrepreneur in residence, and then he before he co-founded Wheeler in 2021. If that's not enough, he also serves on the Governor's Council for Workforce and Economic Development, State Commerce, and works on numerous workforce development initiatives in the biomanufacturing sector. He earned his PhD from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst and completed his postdoctoral work at Dartmouth, Hanover and Delft University of Technology in the Netherlands. In addition to this industry experience, Jesse is an established public speaker, researcher 
and peer-reviewed journal author and contributor. Quite the biog, as uh, you will imagine. So you're in for a treat today listening to his story. As always, thank you to you for tuning in and listening to this latest episode. Apologies, my throat's a bit cro- croaky today. And um, we did have a few uh, recording uh, issues as well, but hopefully it's edited and smooth as anything for your ears today. Um, thanks to my team for helping pull together the podcast and fixing all of the connection issues that we had during today's interview as well uh, if you haven't already uh, please um, maybe share this episode with a colleague or an industry contact uh, or maybe leave us a nice rating on the app store of choice enjoy today's show hey jesse welcome to the show Woman, thank you very much it's good to be here yeah it's great to have you on it was a couple of months ago that we first met and so i'm glad you've been able to make time in a busy, very busy kind of work life <laughs> schedule that you no doubt have. So, Jesse, tell our listener a bit about you and your background. You've been in the space for, I believe, the best part of 20 years. Um, love you to talk about some of the kind of milestones and achievements that you've kind of had on the way to your existing role at uh, Wheeler Bio today. Sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, well, I'm a scientist, actually, by training, not, not a business person. And um, I think that gives me uh, a unique perspective, and uh, which which I think uh, uh, helps me connect better with our scientists, you know, founders, and who who are our customers. Um, but I, I do have a PhD in microbiology from University of Massachusetts. Uh, did a postdoc at Dartmouth. Um, moved into startup world up there. There's quite a quite a lot of startup companies that are spinning out of Thayer School and uh, business school. So uh, my wife and I lived up there in the Upper Valley for almost, uh, it was close to seven years. And then um, we got an offer to relocate to to the Boston area to join Lonza. And um, I started on the bench at Lonza um, 2007, I believe, and and then moved into um, sort of a middle management role and had a really nice opportunity. Um, there were leadership changes there. Um, in sort of the late 2000, yeah, late 2000, um, like 2008, 2009, and had some opportunities to join, um, global team for innovation management. And so I was running operations, sort of R and D services, but also got a chance to do a lot of innovation management. And it's, uh, quite a process at Lonza. Um, it's a really innovative company and there's just a, there's a, a really big process and system around, um, innovation. And so I really was uh, fortunate to get involved in that and got to travel to VISP in Switzerland, sort of the mothership, um, and spent some time over there and really connecting with colleagues and um, just got a really interesting vantage point. And uh, when the opportunity came up to join Cytovance, um, I was recruited in 2013 um, by private equity uh, to come build out a, a smaller CDMO. <clears throat> and I was able to leverage um, you know, good six, seven years of experience, um, you know, at the largest CDMO in the world to just really bring, bring that ex- experience and, um, you know, adding services, uh, bringing new capabilities to a CDMO that helped the customer. And, um, you know, so in 2013, moved the whole family down to Oklahoma City, um, get into that in a little bit, but not the first city you'd think of uh, when you think about pharmaceuticals. Um, but as I learned quickly, th- there's quite a lot going on here in Oklahoma City. 
um, but stayed um, stayed on for a couple years um, as a, a senior VP. Um, we were sold to Happilink in Shenzhen, and I stayed on for about five years, um, trying to work on integration and strategic planning and growth, and uh, saw a lot of growth um, over those five years. Um, we went from probably about 120 people at the time of the acquisition to probably about 320 people and um, added a lot, of new, a lot of new services over that period of time, including Plasma DNA. And then ultimately, I ended up in the corner office there and I helped the parent company go to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. And uh, the CDMO was a really big part of the uh, storytelling there. And so that was all very exciting. And uh, and then COVID hit and I did some soul searching, uh, really asking myself uh, whether you know I wanted to continue to stay with the family in Oklahoma City or move to the back to the coast or, um, you know, in sort of my um, searching for, you know, what do I want to do next? I ran into some uh, really interesting investors in Oklahoma City, uh, ex-oil and gas, or they, as they say, recovering oil and gas investors looking to get into healthcare. And, and uh, in Oklahoma at that point in time, um, there's a lot of shortages in testing availability and people didn't have access to the to type of um, you know testing um, solutions that were available in other cities. And so there was quite a lot of, um, you know, in the short term, there was a lot of effort to really address that. And so I wanted to be part of that, which I did. I jumped off and uh, I became an entrepreneur residence at a venture studio. It's a new venture studio. It's, um, you know, emerging, I'd say, but it's it's a well funded studio, a lot of experience in investment in oil and gas, and and uh, I had the great opportunity to to join and and start doing some life science things. And uh, so first thing we did was uh, we built out a COVID lab, uh, PCR high complexity CLIA lab. Um, we white labeled a process from a, a lab in New York City, and um, and we we did that for about a year while we built the team out a little bit with some some folks at new CDMO, and then started planning out our CDMO from uh, from scratch. And I can talk about that, um, you know, in in the next few minutes. But that whole process of ideating and starting, you know, from absolute, you know, uh, just a blank canvas. That that's really what Wheeler is, and um, it's been really exciting. And you know, flash forward two and a half years, we're building out our first GMP facility downtown Oklahoma City. So we've come a long way from those early days, but but it really started from it really started from just sort of asking myself, you know, you know, with the COVID pandemic hitting, you know, really really what do I want to do next? How can I have an impact? And um and so it kind of it just started from a, a place of a little bit of soul searching. And we'll come we'll come on to to Wheeler and and, and dig into that in a, in a little bit more detail just just rewinding back to your time at Londa and the reason I asked this question is because we've had we've had guests that have, have come on for, who have been at Londa for 10 15 20 25 years was there a point in your journey where you thought you were going to be at Londa forever or did you always fancy going to a, a smaller business and kind of well doing what you have done is basically I suppose go from that scientist to more of a, a business leader I really enjoyed my time at Lanza and we had a really interesting uh, group of people in, it was Hopkinton, Massachusetts. And um, I, fit, I, I saw myself as a Lanza lifer and, and I knew many of them, uh, especially in the VISP site. Um, you know, VISP is this little tiny town in the Alps and 
most of the footprint of the town is actually the Lonza facility. And, um, uh, and it, that's where Lonza actually started. Um, and just through innovation, they've you know, become this massive manufacturing uh, site and chemical plant. Um, and so I, I saw lots of opportunities there. And, and I even did have opportunities to do you know, additional you know, work and different opportunities, secondments and things like that. Um, but, you know, my site, uh, Hopkinton was actually one of the five sites in 2013 that was selected to be shut down. Richard Renninger uh, came in, replaced uh, Stefan Borges as the new CEO and made some changes to the Lonza network of sites um, and selected, I think it was five sites around the world that year um, to, uh, you know, to shut down, consolidate. And so that was 2013. 2012 and then um it took about a year to do sort of the shutdown procedure i stayed on board for all of that um very interesting experience um but at the end of the day it was about making sure that the customers had uh, resources and were able we were able to fulfill orders at other lonza sites so not um not a pleasant experience but certainly an experience that builds you know your uh built just builds your um you know your experience your experience uh, overall and um uh, so i i value that 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 experience it wasn't it wasn't the uh the the, the funnest experience but um I, I leveraged all of that for sure i appreciate the openness of how it kind of came to to an end and then obviously you, you had a a great few years at site events helping them um going through a great kind of evolution and ultimately to to being ceo how would you say that experience has prepared you from from for for what you're doing at Wheeler, um. Obviously, getting to the top and kind of working your way up that business has that grounding giving you the bulk of what you needed to actually set up your own CDMO and found that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So you know, at the end, I didn't have all that much choice, but I, I really um, ended up, you know, I ended up picking the right option. I think for me, um, personally, professionally. Side events was, you know, operating company and, and really looking to expand into uh, new revenue generating areas. And what I brought to the table was, um, you know, the microbial background. That's what I did um, at Lonza was the microbial based production, E. coli and PPA. And so that was a new business area. So I was able to really launch, um, help launch a, a new business area. And along with that comes a lot of, um, uh, you know, kind of startup activities in a sense. I mean, you're buying new equipment, you're creating new processes, you're adding new people. And I think just sort of starting up a new business unit inside of an existing operating company, for me, that that was a really valuable experience um, that I leveraged today with, with Wheeler. You talked obviously about the fact during COVID, it was, you built a, a COVID-19 testing facility in Oklahoma. Just so I understand the, the story, was the plan always to build a CDMO from scratch or was it a pivot of some description? Appreciate you mentioned the or investor had come from a, a different sector and I suppose I'm, I'm interested to know, do they know how expensive running a, setting a CDMO <laughs> business is? Because or was it was it a pivot or was kind of the CDMO bit the plan, but actually this the COVID opportunity was more to generate income that helped make that a, a, a realization? No, it was always a biomanufacturing um, concept that 
we wanted to get started, um, you know, inside of this venture studio, always that, but you know, it obviously it took, it takes time to plan something like that out. The, what we needed was, uh, we need to hire people that could really help me start. And, and I actually call the, uh, the team, the Avengers, um, we brought on, huh, we brought, we brought on these people that just have these really unique skill sets, um, you know, not to mention great leadership, but just great technical skill sets. And uh, the COVID lab really for us was a way to cover DNA while we were planning CDMO from scratch. I mean, that's essentially what it came down to and trying to help um, our community and providing better testing services. Uh, which we did. And so it was a really exciting time. And there was a lot of um, press release, a lot of newspaper coverage about, you know, the new COVID lab in town. And, you know, it, it was an interesting sort of little, I don't know, pit stop, if you will. But what it did was it, it allowed us to, um, you know, get hold of a, about a 3,500 square foot laboratory that, that I knew could become ultimately the development lab. It started out as COVID lab. A lot of the equipment, uh, especially on the PCR side, we are able to just kind of parlay that right into the development lab. Um, but it, there, it was just an opportunity to kind of stage for CDMO, but also have some, you know, revenue coming in for for uh, some short term, you know, COVID testing, and uh, and it gave the team, you know, a really um, a, a problem to solve, a, a gave them an opportunity to work together, and that was really probably the best thing that came out of it was this team, this technical team got to interface with this investor team, you know, in the venture studio, we had back office, front office support coming from our venture partner called Echo Investment Capital. Um, and just like building those relationships, um, that, you know, that was really important. Um, it turns out, you know, for the long haul, I mean, we've been together now for three years, almost, um, this venture studio and Wheeler and, um, you know, it's been a really positive, uh, you know, positive experience. There's a lot of sort of uh, educating that goes back and forth. You know, the the venture studio certainly has a lot of experience um, with financing and um, <clears throat> raising money, and they've got probably 1.2 billion under under management on the oil and gas side. And so, you know, we're able to work together to go out and fundraise, for example, um, build good pitch decks. Um, uh, and the funny thing is, like your oil and gas, when your 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 owners are actually, um, your investors are oil and gas. There's actually a lot of head scratching when I, when we came to the table with our initial process development equipment list and the price tags associated with that. There actually wasn't a lot of pushback. Um, we came we came out with, you know, we wanted all the bells and whistles, the embers, the uh, the high throughput process development analytical equipment, the TCAM robots, everything, the dream list essentially for any like process development group. Um, and you presented that to oil and gas partners and just scratching their heads, uh, asking, you know, are you sure that's, that's all you need? Because they're used to <laughs> 50, $50 million oil wells, um, and, and having a fund for that. And this is just, it was just a little bit different. It was a really interesting mix. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Just people have got a slightly different perspective and it's probably the only other sector that in comparison with biomanufacturing that would have that kind of scratching the head and be like, this seems too cheap. But on the good side, it sounds like you've got all the equipment that you needed. So talk to us about the name Wheeler Bio. Where where did that come from? And what did that process kind of look like? Because um, 
And I want to come back to the Avengers piece before. I don't know if they're connected in any way, but I would love to you to talk about because it is an interesting name for a for a startup and CDMO, which I say startup, but obviously you guys are well on your way now to being more established. But take me back to that to that process. Sure. These little idiosyncrasies about doing business in Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a, a really interesting history. Um, and of course, um, you know, integral integral with its history is the oil and gas industry. <clears throat> and our um, lead investors, Echo Investment Capital, came out of the oil and gas space. And so there's um, there's like this spirit of innovation in like building businesses in Oklahoma. There, there's a lot of pioneering, I guess, that that goes along with trying to set up shop in uh, in in the middle of the country. Um, and we wanted to pay homage to that a little bit. So Wheeler is named after an oil well, actually, called Wheeler Number 1. And it's um, one of the most productive oil wells in the state. It's um, it's on the Cushing, Drumwright Cushing oil field. It's located uh, about two hours north of Oklahoma City. <clears throat> and it's located on um, the Wheeler family farm. And, and so our name, Wheeler Bio, really comes from just sort of paying tribute to the spirit of innovation building new verticals in you know in a state that really you know just kind of came out of nowhere Business. um and in just sort of you know what it takes to to get that done is is really this coalition of sorts you know you have to get people on the same page and you're trying to build something that's just not typically there um and it's kind of an overnight you know experience and so you know, trying to trying to do this biomanufacturing business in um, in the middle of the country. Not that there's there's a lack of there is a an industry here. Um, but what we're trying to do is, um, you know, we're trying to go from zero to sixty overnight. And it, so that the name Wheeler Bob really is, a, is sort of a tribute to that to that name. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. So talk to us about Oklahoma, you know, and I noticed that you're uh, kind of a board member and involved in the kind of economic development side of thing. You know, you're not from the region originally, but I know when we first met, I could, I could really feel your passion for that region. And it, as you, as you rightly mentioned earlier on, it's not, you know, if I think about, you know, biotech hotspots or drug development hotspots in the US it's not the it's not the top it's not top of my list by any stretch of the imagination but we'd love you to talk about what it is that that region is a, enables you to do at Wheeler but also I'm guessing the potential of the region and and of course if I understand correctly your own kind of building that you're building out now will be a real showcase for for the state it's interesting so the you know Oklahoma City is a really fast-growing city. It's actually one of um, only 14 other U.S. cities that added uh, 100,000 people over the last, um, I think, 10 years. Um, there's quite a lot of investment in sort of, in uh, I guess, innovation in terms of uh, infrastructure. There's there's a penny tax here in the city. Uh, it's a program called MAPS. And so there's been four phases of MAPS. Um, it started uh, around the the time of the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, kind of came into effect a little before then, but really took off to sort of revitalize the city, the downtown. And so you've had a lot of uh, 
you know, growth in the city. And uh, one of one of the latest things, and so that has led to, for example, uh, a uh, like a AAA baseball park and a canal district, um, a um, uh, the the arena where the, the Oklahoma City Thunder play. It was all part of this publicly funded penny tax. Um, so now we're on stage four, um, and one of the th- one of the things that is um, uh, at a centerpiece is the Oklahoma City Innovation District. <clears throat> And so, um, what you're starting to see now is this, um, this sort of, uh, convergence of, um, of technologies, including bio manufacturing, uh, life science, um, aerospace, um, autonomous systems, um, uh, you know, uh, fine, fi- uh, FinTech as well. And there's, there's just a lot of, um, new industries, new verticals that the whole state is behind. And, um, a lot of it's sort of uh, coming together in in the uh, Oklahoma City Innovation District, and so we're part of that. We've been part of the the ideation. We've been part of the um, you know the the process of of you know getting public support for um, spending money on the Innovation District in the maps. Um, but you know, besides besides that, there's just a lot of like ingredients I'd say in Oklahoma City that make it. A place where you can have a successful biomanufacturing facility. Number one is cost advantage. Um, so absolutely, by far and away, the the Oklahoma City area is just <clears throat> significantly um, uh, it, more cost advantaged over Boston and San Francisco. And as long as you've got the uh, the workforce um, to be able to um, you know, staff your, your, your manufacturing facilities, and then you should be able to have a really good operational, um, you know, advantage in this, in this area. And that's what we do have. We have a ready workforce. Biomanufacturing has been a thing here for 20 years. We've got Cytovance Biologics. We have Avara, which used to be Astellas. Uh, we have ARL Biopharma, probably about 45 or so um, pharma services and biotech companies that are in the Oklahoma City region. Um, and one of the reasons why they have kind of, um, emerged here, there's just, a, there's a number of component pieces that, you know, uh, that, you know, medical researchers are looking for. You've got, um, uh, established institutions with a lot of sort of overlooked capacity. So there's always opportunities for say faculty to come here, have an impact. There's pretty significant amount of NIH dollars that are flowing into the area, about 90 million per year. Um, these days that are coming into uh, the OU uh, medical, uh, OU health, um, you know, medical school, you have a, you have an NCI designated cancer center here. So Stevenson Cancer Center um, is uh, looking to become a comprehensive cancer center over the next five or six years. And so <clears throat> there's this natural sort of driver of Oklahoma City wants to get involved in um, you know, drug development. Um, we have a lot of, uh, well, to be honest, I mean, there's a lot of um, uh, challenges on the healthcare side in Oklahoma, a lot of unhealthy people that would be great if we had, um, we could give those um, residents more access to um, investigational new drugs through uh, Stevenson, for example. Beyond cancer uh, clinical trials, we have diabetes. We have the Harold Ham Diabetes Institute. Um, we have um, Dean McGee Eye center a lot of these facilities are doing cutting-edge research and clinical testing um, which really makes Oklahoma City a, a unique place 
um, to do business uh, because you're right down the street from basically the kind of the end user. Um, and so that's what I, I have found over the years is, you know, connecting customers to Stevenson Cancer Center, for example, is just a phone call away. Sometimes customers are looking for phase one to add a couple more patients and, you know, we can make that, that handoff quite easily. Um, the Venture Studio has actually formalized relationships with Stevenson and Dean McGee and others so that there's actually um, an, what we call the ecosystem that's forming so that we, we can leverage these relationships to, uh, to a really um, you know, efficient, in an efficient way to speed up the time it takes to get to first in human. It's really interesting to hear of the, I suppose, the, the perfect storm of what makes Oklahoma City a, a city clearly with a lot of potential and it's working out well for you guys at, at Wheeler for, for many of the reasons. So tell us a bit more about the business in terms of how you are today. Tell a listener a bit more about your capabilities and how you're set up because my understanding is you have a presence elsewhere in the country as well, but understanding how that works and how the business is growing and, and investing in its own facility would be really useful for our listener just to get a handle on. Yeah, so I mean, the the takeaway about Wheeler is, you know, we uh we're an agile small batch drug substance manufacturer. We are um, building right now. We will have um available in August September timeframe our our first GMP facility. But we have been operating development capabilities and sort of late discovery support capabilities uh, for the last year year and a half or so. Um, so we call it sort of a hub and spoke business model where we're doing all of our development and manufacturing services out of Oklahoma City, where we have this great cost advantage, ready workforce, a lot of green fields for, for expansion. Um, and then we are connected to uh, metros where most of the molecules are. Most of the, uh, the VC-backed biotechs are located in Boston, San Francisco, Seattle, San Diego. And so we're we are developing a business model where we actually have um we actually have a satellite lab located inside of Discovery CROs, and we can bring our platform manufacturing process uh, further upstream and actually drop drop it into a Discovery CRO so that you have um you know Wheeler people process equipment actually operating inside of a Discovery partner. Our first Discovery partner is in Boston. That's Alloy Therapeutics. Um, they are um, pretty unique as well. They do have a venture studio connected to them as well. And so there's just a lot of synergies um, between Alloy, Echo, and um, Alloy and Wheeler to some extent. Um, we're all really focused on trying to do the same thing, which is get drugs into the clinic much, much faster by connecting you know, um, developers <laughs> with capital uh, resources that they need and, um, and then clinical trials. Um, our second site for, uh, the satellite operations, uh, is, is going to be happening later this year in California. So in the South San Francisco area, um, one of our big investors is Charles river. And so we're working with them on, um, on some, uh, integration of our platform and what it is, it's a protein sciences lab that basically runs a standard process that is scalable all the way to say 5,000 liter scale. Um, our platform MABS uh, approach is called Portable CMC. Um, it is our sort of it's a very well characterized monoclonal antibody platform, drug substance platform. It's a two, it's a 
uh, a single sort of upstream um, process that runs on Hamburg 250 and then um, bench scale at up to 40 liter. And then we drop that into our single use um, system in GMP at 500 liter scale. Um, so we're at two by 500 liter scale. That's our, that's our GMP capacity that we're building in Oklahoma. And then on the development side, we have a 15 mil to 250 mil to three liter to 10 liter to 40 liter all in the development, in development lab. So lots of um, automation that we leverage. Um, we're doing digital twinning. Uh, we have a couple partners that help us do that. One is um, Synthase in London. They help us write um, automation into our workflows. Um, so we're using their software package. Um, so they've been a great partner for us. Connecting Amber 250 with Nova Flex, for example, so that we can have automated metabolite analysis and just just get tons and tons of data points um, for each experimental run that that we're uh, that we run. And then DataHow in Switzerland, they've been a, a great sort of data science partner for us. They're our digital twin architect. They are taking all the data that we um, generate. They process that data into models, and then we're using those models. These are predictive models, um, and moving towards having a true digital twin um, of our you know unit operations. Um, our our downstream process is a two column step for Mavs, um, and so that's our platform. Portable CMC is monoclonal antibody based. We're going to be adding to that platform to, to do by specific uh, uh, formats. And then with all that equipment, though, that we have for platform, we can also do custom development. So we do cell line development, we do process development, analytical development, um, material generation for, for um, you know, preclinical uh, studies, um, you know, everything you might expect in sort of a, uh, a in a sort of, uh, you know, this early phase uh, CDMO, we do all of that. Um, like I said, we have about have about thirty-two people right now, you know, in our in our uh, lab, about three people up in the Boston area. So most people work in Oklahoma City. Uh, we're going to be adding probably another twenty-five people this year uh, to the staff once we add add GMP. Thanks for that, Jesse. And one, you obviously mentioned a relationship with Charles River and a partnership there. And I read something online about something called Right Source. Do you mind telling our listener a little bit about what that? kind of offering and it kind of encompasses and what that partnership is all about. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So Charles River is, um, is really a, a unique, uh, I'd say, you know, pharma services group. They're, they're really building out an extensive partnering network to, um, to provide developers with a robust supply chain. And right now I think they're, they're, they've got about 19 partnerships and Wheeler is one of those partnerships. Uh, right now, we're the only MAD um, CDMO in their network, and um, they have a whole discovery group um, on the West Coast. And the idea is uh, we'll be, you know, really well positioned to support those developers as they're coming through the the supply chain on the discovery side. Um, <clears throat> so Charles River is an uh, investor, um, you know, just also just a, a strategic partner for us. They also, of course, have the you know all the the, ta- the testing services, and we can leverage testing services um, in their various locations. Like, for example, in, in Malvern, we're going to be using them exclusively for um, for vir- viral validation services. But one of the new things that that they're bringing online is something called Right Source. And so, in my building in Oklahoma City, we have about thirty five thousand square feet. Um, 
approximately seven, five, five, I say 5,000 square feet is dedicated to um, a right source QC lab. And so what this is, although they hate, they hate it when I describe it this way, it is a QC lab in a box concept. Um, we're the fourth installation of this. And the idea is really allows <clears throat> the QC right source lab allows Wheeler or the kind of the host to focus on what they're doing well. So focus on drug substance manufacturing. And then Charles River comes in with their uh, people, boots on the ground, and they run a facility that's 100% dedicated to that drug substance manufacturing. So uh, so essentially it's in-house um, outsourcing. So right down the hall, we we bring our samples and we have this fantastic connection to um, you know this this major you know testing partner. Um, access to their quality system, access to their standard procedures, protocols. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to make things go faster and, and try to be more efficient. And we really, really believe in the, the right source concept. And so we're excited to be, um, I think we're the first CDMO uh, for uh, the right source uh, installation. It's fascinating to hear your, I feel like your business model with the hub and spoke setup, the satellite setup the partnerships and the twin approach, the relationship with Charles River. It's a very modern, almost sophisticated uh, way of, of building a CDMO business actually rather than trying to do everything yourself on day one, which I think is, is really, really smart. And I know we only have you for a couple more minutes, Jesse. So let's let's kind of switch gear slightly and end with some predictions and forecasts. You know, as we are here at, you know, the back end of quarter, quarter one in 2023, uh, you know, we've had some issues with funding in the biotech market. Um, you know, very recently, SVB Bank had some challenges, uh, all the macro issues. So how are you seeing the the wider market? And I suppose any predictions or trends in, in how you guys are positioned uh, moving forward? Well, I don't see, you know, major changes and ma major shifts on the demand side. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing the same level of conversations that we're having in uh, introductions that are coming our way from our strategic partners. So for example, Alloy uh, feeding us uh, leads and um, you know from their network and Charles River feeding us leads from their network and then all the other sales channels that we have, the typical ones from the conferences, uh, the global data database, for example. We just don't see any real slowdown in sort of um, you know in the, sort of the pipeline that's growing. And, and when you look at the numbers, you look at, you know, a number of new sort of uh, INDs that are entering the clinic, um, you know, every year, you know, we, we're seeing still 10, 12% CAGR on those new molecules and the outsized portion of those are being driven by the VC. So yes, there's a, there's a concern that the, the VC backed biotechs will, you know, be, um, you know, slowing down a little bit or um, having to focus maybe on one, one asset and instead of two or three. We haven't seen that yet. Um, that's the concern, but you know, I think um, I think that you know, right now, uh, there's been no sort of practical um, impact from our from our view. Well, that's good to hear, and uh, I know we're, we're we're out of time, Jesse, and I have uh, really enjoyed our conversation today. Congratulations on not only the career that you've had, but the great work that you're doing at Wheeler Bio and I suppose on a wider scale in, in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, it goes without saying, but we wish you all the best for your new facility, the continued growth of the business. Uh, thanks for doing this. Great. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Hi again. 
Thanks for tuning in to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. For more shows, have a look on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon, wherever you like to listen. And do make sure that you subscribe so the next episode comes direct to your device automatically. And please get in touch via our website, uh, Molecule to Market Pod, or via LinkedIn or Twitter. We love to hear from you. So if you have a guest that you want to suggest or someone in your organization that you think would make a great guest on Molecule to Market, then please let us know. We'll see you very soon. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital, and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile, and generate leads in life sciences.